Good morning, <laughs> and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Good morning, Stacey. Good morning. I am I am here in beautiful New York City where the sun is shining today, thank heaven. It wasn't shining when I was flying in last night in my hour and a half circle over the city waiting to, to get in. But yeah, I know it's a, a nice day in New York. I'm doing a presentation here at the Cornerstone Converge event, and then I will be home tonight. I, getting to sleep in my own bed for the first time in like six days will be really nice tonight. So, but, and, and you, are, are you home this week? You're doing a lot of other stuff going on this week, right? Yeah, yeah. I am, um, I am not stepping into the fray for the wild analyst travel this this year i'm i'm going to singapore and then i'm going to florida a couple weeks after that and i am going to um tokyo for sort of bigger conversations about ai in the industry so it's a different schedule for me this year which is which is probably good you'll bring back some insights from the asia pacific market which i think is um, going to be interesting in the AI space. I mean, they're really taking a leadership role there. So, looking forward to seeing, hearing your comments back. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. So, what's going on in the world? It's not such a big day for incremental HR tech transactions, but the world of work is changing. And the world of work is changing partly because of new communications tools and the world of work is changing because AI is a thing and it's happening faster than anybody might have imagined. And so, so I think we're going to talk about both of those things, aren't we? Yeah, this week, I think what's interesting, you know, we'll get into this a bit, but, you know, while all the sort of traditional HR tech vendors are looking at each other and comparing themselves to each other, coming out of the side, kind of swiping you know, underneath everything is these consumer-based products that are basically taking on very traditional HR roles. So we have um, some interesting things going on this week. So Slack acquired the email app Astro, um, its biggest acquisition to date. We'll talk a little bit about what that means um, in the HR tech as well as sort of the, the workforce productivity space. Um, we also got Microsoft 365 getting AI-powered suggestions and enhanced search and Excel features. Now, that may not seem an HR conversation, but when you talk to them and hear the kind of things that they're putting into those you know, AI-powered suggestions, it's very, very HR kind of uh, focused. Um, we also have some traditional stuff going on in the HR space. So WalkMe raises $40 million to help uh, navigate what's going on with their organization. Um, and then we're seeing... Square, for those who know, another consumer-based product um, that that's when you swipe your card, when you're you know paying, if you actually still use the taxi services today, or if you're paying at any kind of a sort of mobile event location, um, Square is um, adding new payroll services, which they've had for a while, but they're adding it in a mobile app now. So now it's it's expanding their capabilities. Um, we do have some updates from people fluent. Um, LTG, uh, which is Learning Technologies Group out of the UK, which had purchased PeopleFluent, as well as um, Net Dimensions and a couple other large sort of uh, traditional HR technology areas, is rearranging sort of the, the, the chess pieces a bit. Um, they are creating a brand new workforce compliance and diversity division. So they're pulling 
out the diversity and workforce compliance component from the people fluent product and creating a new one. Um, they're also um, taking net dimensions, which is an LMS, and connecting that with people fluence um, LMS and creating a new learning suite. Um, and then we do have, we have a little bit of time, some updates from PlanSource. They're doing their fall product release, um, which is interesting because they're putting more self-service into the benefits space. Um, and Smart Recruiter's naming a new um, president, so there's some, some changes going on there. Um, and if we have any time, um, there's some interesting stuff going on in the sort of benefits and leave space. Noodles and Company is unveiling a rare phase-out, phase-in maternity program which um, could be interesting when you think about it from a technology perspective. How do you manage the multiple versions of um, leave and absence that's going on in the market? So, so not a big sort of news day, but a big, big topic day. You know, lots of interesting things happening in the space this week. Um, so where do you want to start? You want to start with this sort of consumerized uh, workforce productivity space, John? Well, let's go there. Let's go there. Um, <clears throat> what do you think? Yeah, this Slack acquisition really, you know, I, I I was listening to the news and kind of watching what was happening this week, and all of a sudden this popped up, and I was like, this seems like a bigger a bigger thing to me than maybe what the market is making of it. So um, Astro is really, it, it is an email app, um, but they also have some chatbots and AI assistant components to it. Um, Astro was developed by a lot of the people who were in the early stages of some of the, the open source um email tools that are out in the market. But what's interesting is that this you know, acquisition, you know, with it, Astro basically announced that um, as of the acquisition, they're shutting down their tool set. So they're basically after September 30th or something like that, they're basically, or October 10th, as, you know, they will no longer be offering their Mac, iOS, Android, Amazon Alexa, and Slack version of the Astro email tool but they're going to now build everything into the Slack environment, and Slack is expanding their idea of what they're doing from a communications platform perspective. So I thought, well, that's interesting. They're just buying the skill sets and the capabilities, not so much this app with, with thousands of users in it already. So what do you think about that, John? Is that an interesting acquisition model, and is this news that HR should be paying attention to? Well, if if Slack is this this reads to me like Slack is changing its vector to try to become a multi-channel communication hub, meaning that that all all communication routes through Slack, and Slack has the capacity to help um, a worker. Uh, prioritize communication flows so that you can handle, I, I would guess, email, text, uh, and various messaging platforms coming through the single uh, Slack interface. And why this is interesting is if you, if you think about Workday's strategy of uh, sitting back and letting their uh, work appear where people communicate, um, it, it's it's like they've been in a conversation with Slack, and Slack is going, okay, okay. What we want to be is the place where people go. Yeah. And if we're the place where people go, we have to provide services because all of that crap associated with email. I don't know about you, but 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 I've just um, 
my email inbox is a steamroller and it's running over me right now. Um, and, and I assume I'm not the only one for whom that's happening. Uh, that, that means that if, if Slack is going to achieve its objective, they have to figure out how to, to broaden their base. And that has significant implications for the employee communications aspect of uh, HR. And one way of thinking about everything in HR is that, is that each of the various silos of HR are really just different facets of an employee communications program. So, so it's it, it has real potential here, and it looks like General Atlantic is is in the investment here. Yep. And General Atlantic is a big, big successful investor in HR tech. You know, they've got a lot of of various organizations sort of investing in it. So this is not just something that's sort of one off. And what's what's really interesting to me on all of this front, I think, to to your comment that. This idea of the communication hub is something we're seeing over and over again. I mean, that was a big part of what we saw at HR Tech. You know, I had a, a great conversation with um, GuideSpark. I had a, a conversation with the Achievers Group. I had a conversation with multiple organizations that feel like they're creating the next communications hub in the sort of HR communication space, right? Um, but this goes way beyond that concept. And, and that's where I'm sort of seeing this idea that a lot of HR applications are sort of trying to fix HR issues and out of the side is going to come all of these consumer-based products that are just going to basically, I think, steamroll over them. I don't think HR is really paying enough attention to what's happening on the consumer side um, to, to really understand this, this picture in many cases. They're, they're too focused on their own technologies. Well, except this idea that... that um that the employee's experience is going to resemble a consumer experience. I think that's nonsense. I think that's nonsense. Okay. And, 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 and it, it poses a real challenge. The consumer experience, the online consumer experience is something that can happen if you've got trillions of data points. I think I, I think I might've mentioned last week that, that I, I made a reservation on open table. And and as I was making the reservation, I noticed that OpenTable has made 825 million reservations to date. And with a with a database of 825 million reservations and feedback on some of those reservations, you're starting to talk about um, several billion data points. Maybe maybe getting to a trillion data points fairly quickly. And that's enough information to do all sorts of things with recommendations, and uh, from and you can do everything from recommending stuff for um, consumers to recommending business locations and menu choices. Uh, in a company that's got a hundred thousand employees, if every one of those employees used the system and you collected identical uh, information about each and every one of them you wouldn't have enough information to make decent predictions. Right? And so, well, so the, the idea that you can consumerize um, and deliver um, the same robust uh, recommendation-rich environment for employees that you can for um, somebody who shops at Amazon, I don't know about that. But it sounds like you have a different opinion. 
I do a little bit. I think consumerization, I, I think I'm looking at it, I think, maybe the other way around, you know, and, and the, the next, you know, topic here, I think, feeds right into this. So Microsoft 360 is getting AI-powered suggestions and enhanced service and Excel features, right? So basically, my, my take on, on what Microsoft 365 is doing is you're going to open up Microsoft 365. You can now search every single one of your SharePoint, OneDrive, other third-party offerings through Microsoft 365 if you need to find something. It's going to make recommendations about information it sees in your PowerPoints, in your Word documents. Do you want to turn this into an Excel document? Do you want to make a decision on this? And I'm thinking, that's huge. And they can, because they've got the numbers, give you more realistic, more, I'd say robust is probably a better way to say it, not more accurate, but more robust artificial intelligence insights, right, than any HR technology and I think HR professionals are fo so focused on what's happening in their workday environments and in their, you know, cornerstone environments and in their, you know, ultimate environments, all, all the various HR technology environments, that they're not paying attention to the things that, are, that their employees are getting from things like Microsoft, right? Um, that much of what they're trying to accomplish through these HR technology softwares is being sort of undermined is maybe not the right word, but, but being sub, sub, you know, assumed by what's happening in the consumerized technology, right? And so, 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 so if you would just drop the word consumerized, uh, we, probably, we probably are pretty close to agreeing about this, but, but it's not going to be a consumer quality experience. It's going to be an enterprise experience. Hmm. Okay. If, if Microsoft can go through, all, you know, Google can already go through all your files. This, 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 this weird idea that 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 um, Windows technology is finally catching up with Apple technology, and that's somehow a transcendent moment. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, but but uh, but but having full access, searchable access to your your goods. I I love the fact that I have that. It's great. It it doesn't make making decision making easier. There isn't enough there isn't enough information. It and I content at at astonishing levels. There's not enough information in my files for the system to help me make decisions on the fly. But there is enough information for the system to give me choices about how to make predictions. There is enough information for the system to give me ideas about how to make a more robust spreadsheet or a better presentation or a more focused contact list, those sorts of things. And so my productivity will go up, but it's a productivity improvement, not a consumer experience improvement. Well, and, and I guess I'm looking at it, you know, I think, I think we might have to sort of, I, I think that consumerization concept is... <laughs> It's not so much just the idea of sort of enterprise versus sort of consumer experience. It's that in the enterprise space, so much of the process has been about managing a process, getting data in to get a process moved forward, right? In the consumerized market, it's been much more about getting data in to, to, to do a better job of, of giving an experience, right? To do a better job of personalizing the experience. And I do think that the enterprise software has to do a better job of personalizing experience. So 
So when I talk about consumerization, I see it as that conversation. Yeah, but um, let's, but let's I, get your point. I, I know we need to get to agree to disagree here, but but listen, <laughs> listen. The consumerization stuff, the way that the consumer internet is evolving is the more money you spend, the better your experience is, right? That's the basic <laughs> essence of consumerization. And the more money the other people in your neighborhood spend, the better your experience is. Uh, and so that's great, but there's no equivalent form in the enterprise, right? It's, it's, it is clear and stained clear that that at work people don't see what the maximum is that they can do that's not how it works at work what people what people are trying to figure out is is what is the limits of my of my work responsibilities and and I want to set it there because I don't get paid for extra stuff um, and <laughs> right right i mean yeah, that's the, that's in a nutshell that's yes, the engagement it. problem that's that's the engagement problem, but the idea that that what people are going to do is deliver the same robust level of information in their um, in in their work that they deliver in their browsing through Amazon um, is mm, optimistic would be a polite way to say it. <laughs> You're listening to HR Tech Weekly. Benefit Ed helps your workforce get the most out of your employer match program. Employee choice, offered exclusively by Benefit Ed, enables employees to decide if they want their employer match contributions to be allocated to student loan repayment, retirement, or both. Increase plan participation and offer an innovative benefit without a drastic increase in overall benefit spend. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. So in the same announcement, just to sort of add to your cynical view, uh, Microsoft also said they are going to... That is not cynical. 40... That is not the, the, fa- the fact that I'm not, I'm not willing to smoke pot and... and <laughs> And fantasize and call that real. That's not cool. That's that's extremely <laughs> practical. Jeez, it's practical. <laughs> You're getting mean. We'll, we'll agree to disagree here. <laughs> 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 well, I, I do believe people try and figure out how to expand in some ways. Not, I, I agree. You know, they're not going to try and do more work. But I think when people are interested in what they're doing, they, they are trying to figure out how to leverage the tools to the best of their ability. And it depends on the person and the work they're doing. I agree. Now, right, right, right. This, is, this is the world yeah. of 35% engagement. <laughs> that, that, exactly. Those people do exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> they announced that they're going to spend $40 million um, to support AI for the good of humanity. So I'm going to take the good of humanity view there at this one, John. <laughs> Well, well, I think we might both be talking about the good of humanity. It's just, it's just that that that, that I have the vastly more practical view of that. <laughs> I'll say maybe the many years of experience that you have compared to me, right? Is that what you're adding? Oh, 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 oh! Did you just call me old again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next conversation. Um, walk me, walk me. So. Have you briefed with Walk Me before, John? I mean, I, I've never even heard of Walk Me. What a great really? name! 
Yeah, so, who, who so are Walkme? Yeah, Walkme is out of Israel. They are a one of the fastest growing sort of learning and development tools. They started out with the idea of just um, uh, Walkme was an organization that started out doing what a lot of the sort of enterprise technology softwares had prepackaged it, sort of tools that would um, watch what you were doing and then basically create a simulated sort of video of how to walk through an enterprise system, right? Um, but they have expanded their capabilities to now track your movements and actually make suggestions on that, allow um, sort of you to sort of to watch what you're doing and then make suggestions on which ways you want to go through a technology base. They've really made it a, a very interactive sort of learning process, but it is a, a learning tool at the end of the day and an adoption tool that helps organizations get better adoption by making sure that the people can sort of understand how to use more complex enterprise systems. Um, they've grown pretty rapidly. Um, if you talk to most of the enterprise HR applications out in the market, they're using some version of a WalkMe or tool like this as a support tool when they're training and implementing technologies. Um, and they're getting $40 million to sort of take it to the next level, um, particularly leveraging intelligence um, to um, really focus on their contextual suggestions, which I think is, is the more interesting thing. Um, now, they have around 2,000 clients. Um, but I think a lot of those are, are part of the uh, enterprise connections that they have as well. Um, uh, they say about 30% of the Fortune 500. They're generally more for bigger organizations. But I'm really impressed with their focus on sort of managing the, the processes. So when we were talking about what, what uh, Microsoft's doing, I think WalkMe is another version of this, but in the enterprise software right? um, technology. So, so walk me just to just to get this straight. Walk me is like um, um, being able to insert balloons with text in them on top of your um, YouTube video, something like that, so that you can explain a thing that's happening in the in the interface. Right? It's for it's for training people to use software that's having a hard time being adopted. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's more but than a, just video. It actually interacts. It has a, an application layer that interacts with the technology so that you're not always watching a video. You can be in the application and you get the insights and the recommendations in the comments. Yeah. So what I always wonder about these things is where do you get enough data to to actually deliver good context sensitive um, insight? Right. Because that's. That's the deal. Is is you're wandering around in this enterprise software, and there's something that you can't figure out how to do, and 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 um, uh, somehow the system knows that you have a question, and it gives you a chunk of insight. You know, this field means X, or uh, you know, I guess I guess I'm seeing in a lot of cases there's a little small I button next places where there might be more information um so that might is that is that what this thing does um it's a little i mean that's that's one of the many things but it but it's also intuitive enough you know i've seen examples and case studies where where it's it's popping up even when you don't ask for help right when you're sort of trying wavering and and maybe not moving that stuff or even if you've gone through a process and it had it sees that you could have done that process in a different way it'll pop up and say Hey, by the way, you could have done this this way and cut out five steps, 
right? So, um, so, so the question is, how does it know? How does it know? Wh- well, wh- who, it's who generates it's that information? It's watching all. So it's basically a scraping layer, right? Um, very much like a robotic process automation technology to some extent. I, you know, not exactly that, but um, it, you know, their their application is continuously sort of scraping what's happening in the enterprise system as long as it's sort of been embedded in the application and pulling that into aggregate databases and then sort of making some assumptions off that with their AI. Now, this is nascent, I will say. I think you have to have a large enough company with a large enough group of people sort of leveraging it to be able to get that type of, of investment. I'd say this is probably in most of their uh, largest companies in beta version right now doing that level of artificial intelligence. But I have seen the case studies and examples of it in some of the um, briefings I've done with them. And I, and I do think that this, you know, I, when you think about the number of people who are doing operational level work inside these systems and... Uh, the amount of times they go between, say, an SAP and a Microsoft Office. So if Microsoft Office is only making recommendations about what it sees inside Microsoft Office and not what it sees inside SAP, WalkMe can see the difference between the two of them, right? And I think that's what's really interesting in this. So this is an operational training tool. This is not a do stuff inside of HR tool. This is a, if you've got 10,000 people in your call center, you can generate enough information so that when people hit glitches in the workflow, the tool says, oh, here's how other people have solved that glitch. Yes. That's, that's, that's really, really interesting. It's a new form of training, is what you say. It's, it's an intelligent, data-generated new form of training. In an that's environment a, where we no longer are using a single platform, where we're using multiple platforms, right? That's pretty interesting. That's pretty yeah. interesting. You're yeah, right. I've been very paying impressive. a bit of attention to this. This is <laughs> this is they sort of shrug their shoulders and let operations do this. Yep, exactly. Yeah. This is why when I talk to organizations about who I think is doing the most innovative stuff in learning, WalkMe is one of the organizations I usually put on that list. Now, I also think that you know. It, it, this could be something that you see a Google decide to do down the road, right? I mean, this is not. There, there are a lot of ways where this could be a much broader conversation. Um, but I think today, the only one that I'm seeing doing at this level and this depth and the ability to add real learning into it and, and knowing how to, how to sort of bring up the learning conversation and not just, a, oh, push this button, but why should you push the button and where should you, you know, what's the reasoning behind it would be the walking application. Oh, and the applications like, there's a couple others out there like this. Um, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but there are a couple others that are doing this as well. What what is the interesting thing? There's certainly a follow-on business here. That is, um, um, if if you have WalkMe running in an environment where Ultimate Software is is the HR system, um, you ought to be able to start giving Ultimate Software feedback about its interface quality, data-driven that's feedback about interface quality. That, that's really interesting. This is so so. I think, you know, in in intelligent tools in general, the question about how do you get uh, coherent feedback about what the tool actually means in practice is a is a big question, and that's 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 got an answer that's adjacent to what these people are doing. I have to I'll have to dig in a little harder on WalkMe. Yeah, yeah. There's 
you know, I, I think we're going to see more of these kind of things too come up in the market. And, and, and the idea that there's multiple uses for this type of technology is, is definitely going to be a big part of this picture. You know, one of the things that we see oftentimes is companies come out with, here's what we do. And a year later after the market sort of sees them, they're like, oh, we can expand different areas. Um, Square is a really good example of that. So Square started out as basically just a, a payment system on a mobile environment. Most of us have seen Square in multiple ways. And if we've and, you know, worked or done any kind of purchases from small organizations, it's one of the, the most highly used sort of mobile payment apps. But a few uh, years ago, they rolled out a, a payroll service with it as well, uh, an element so that these small companies can manage payroll as well for their um, applications and, and the people that are working with them. And now they've just rolled out a mobile component to that payroll. What, I, what caught my eye on this is that, you know, they organizations were talking about as this got announced, all of a sudden some of the traditional paychecks and ADP and other organizations, um, their stock prices dipped a little bit because of this, because they're major competitors and you know, I don't think that'll be a, a big issue. You know, you know, there's a very big difference between the, the variations in payroll here. But we are starting to see more consumer organizations get into the payroll payment paycheck conversation. And I think partially because of the fact that we're seeing more of the idea of this being a sort of credit consumer contract um, conversation versus just, you know, sort of the payroll transactions happening. So this is sort of interesting. Well, um, you, you know, I have, I've got a fistful, fistful of, of, of views about whether or not the um, employers should uh, allow their payroll providers to become banks, which is which is uh, the question, the, the real question of this, right? Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to turn your employees over to your payroll provider as target clients? Um, is is a very complicated question. It's a it's a it's an extremely complicated question, and and I don't know that we understand the ethics of this at all. Uh, and, so, and that's a challenge a little bit. Consumer technologies don't always look at the ethics, where I think HR technologies are held to a higher standard there in many cases. Yep, yep. Higher standard, less data. Um, will generate a very different thing than the consumer experience. <laughs> we'll keep talking about it. We we didn't get to some of the stuff going on with people fluent, but I think the big the big thing there is people should know that they are breaking off their workforce compliance and diversity division to a separate uh company called I think it's called Affirmity. Yeah, that's the the name of the new company. Um yeah, Affirmity. Um so probably worth paying attention to if you're in the diversity and inclusion space and uh compliance space. Um, and they're putting out some new learning modules. I think that's sort of a big announcement for them because um, they're trying to figure out where they're heading. LPG is an organization to watch in the UK. I don't know quite sure what they're doing. We'll have to get some updates from them. Yep. Okay. Well, another great conversation. It's fun. Yeah. The, mo the more we disagree, the better this conversation <laughs> is. You know, so. I know. I know. And, and we give everybody a good tackle because our approach to disagreeing is fun. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so thanks for doing this again, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer, with Stacey Harris and John Sumter, and we will see you here next week. Bye, and thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye.